In this week's episode, I'm joined by John Estrada, Vice President, Talent Management of DEI and Human Resources Consulting at Integrated People Solutions. This week, we're going to talk about the renaming of a Confederate Navy ship, disability activists gracing the cover of British Vogue, and much more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. John, will you please introduce yourself? Thanks, Bernadette. I'm very happy to be participating. I'm John Estrada. I have over 30 years plus of uh, human resources, sales and marketing, executive coaching, and executive search in some fashion. So a, a lot to say in a little bit of time uh, in terms of what I do. But uh, Bernadette and I have known each other for a couple, at least three years, I think. It's been at least three yeah. years. And our paths frequently intersect and cross. And it's a great relationship and always a great discussion. So I'm happy to be participating today. Thank you so much, John. I'm really thrilled to have you. So, you know, in your work specifically on sort of the recruiting and, and DEI side, can you talk a little bit about what's giving you hope? What's making you feel really optimistic that we're on the right side here? Yeah, you know, so when I look at Integrated People Solutions and we're part of the Kennedy Partners, which is a global boutique of executive search firms, that also has a DEI aspect to it. We really pride ourselves on being able to provide our clients with a great candidate slate, regardless of gender, regardless of all these other things, right? We wanna make sure that they're getting the skills that they want and they may be packaged differently that they're not used to. So one of the things that we like to do is educate our clients in terms of what's available and how it look, might look different than they thought. And you've been preventing, pre, and you've been presenting, not preventing, you've been presenting <laughs> diverse slates of candidates to your clients for years now. I mean, sort of pre-2020, haven't you? Yes. It, even before I worked with Integrated People Solutions, I was with, a, a well, Motorola back in the day when it was a huge uh, $48 billion company. And I did a lot of executive search and I worked with a lot of partners, but one of the things I liked even prior to that was educating people who were making the hiring decision because it's about economic empowerment. And so getting people that are not in the mix, primarily females and minorities, was really top of mind for me. And just because I had a seat at the table, that didn't really preclude them to having another seat. So making sure to educate people because it's about education. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of actually finding the candidates, because this seems to be the, the million dollar question for a lot of folks. It, so in terms of finding a diverse slate of candidates, how can you or what advice would you 
give to someone looking to be more intentional about that? Um, in, in terms of being found or no, in terms of, uh, where to look, how to find more diverse candidates, particularly at the executive level. Yeah. So, um, God, this is a great entree for my colleague and Andy Rhodes. If he was here, he could really address this because it's not rocket science, but we have a variety of different networks that we tap into and we use the same data that most executive search or you know, talent acquisition teams would use. But we go a little bit of the extra mile. We just don't preclude everybody from participating. You know, if there's like nine things that we're looking for and they only have seven, we might at least do a little investigation because that may not be presented correctly. Sure. So having that discussion with that person, it really adds some power to our punch. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that's sort of maybe not at the executive level, but certainly at a lot of other levels. One of those things that you don't necessarily need to examine closely could be a degree, I mean, or the need for a degree requirement. And this is not to cast aspersions on some of my former colleagues, but I got to tell you, uh, a lot of times I had to pull and push to bring a female or a minority candidate in the mix. And after they had that initial conversation, they would always say, wow, that person really has what we're looking for. How did you find that person? They're always available. It's just that you never had anybody push to look at them, right? Yeah. Well, inclusion requires intention, right? And yes, if we're not intentional about it, then we default to what's been done before. Exactly. What's easy? What's familiar? Awesome. Well, you know what? Last week, John, I was a panelist at a client event for, at Ferrara Candy here in Chicago. And as I, uh, I got there a little early and I was watching a fireside chat with the CEO prior to my panelist appearance. And one of the attendees in the audience raised his hand and actually uh, mentioned to the CEO or suggested to all of us that one of the ways to improve the culture or create a great employee culture is to actually say hi or say something to every single person with whom you make eye contact. So whether that's someone that's standing in line next to you or in the elevator with you or walking down the hall, even if you just say hi, and if that becomes a common commitment, how profound that can be in terms of shifting an organization's culture. And I just loved that because that example from that employee named Alan, by the way, I love that because it's a, a micro act of inclusion. It's, it's something that everyone can do and everyone has control over. Right. Right. You know, it's lessons you learn in kindergarten, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I had just an a anecdotal story when I was the head of global HR in Bangalore, India for a couple of years of the organization. I wasn't working there full time, but I was there frequent enough. And there is definitely a hierarchy um, in India and uh, they call it the caste system. Even though they say it doesn't exist, it still exists. And I would walk through the halls and talk to everybody or say hello. And that was unusual for executives to do that to some extent. Not all of them would do that, particularly being a Western culture, right? And uh, I can remember though, this one man was just speechless that I came to talk to him. I said, are you okay? He goes, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then every time he saw me after that, he would just give me the biggest smile and say hello because he had the ability and the opportunity and the permission to do it, right? Little thing. I love that. I love that. You know, I'm the, this stuff, it's 
it's it really can be accumulation of little tiny actions that we all have control over. You know, and as human beings, we crave connection. Oh, absolutely. We do. And this is a really simple way um, that we can all do it. So thank you, Alan from Ferrara for the suggestion. And uh, let's get into this week's good vibes. Okay. The first story comes from the U.S. Navy, which renamed a supply ship previously named after a Confederate victory. And now it's been renamed to honor a black union hero, Robert Smalls. So the ship is now the USNS Robert Smalls. And who, by the way, is a former enslaved person who commandeered a Confederate vessel to escape slavery and later become a U.S. congressperson. Love this story. No, that's really great. In fact, I similarly, I saw one or heard one very similar with the United Airlines pilot, African-American, who was not sort of talked about at all. Uh, it was a pre-continental or pre-United was continental, but they finally recognized him. Um, and he had a, a, a long journey to be hired. Mm. I don't know if you saw that story. No, I didn't see that story at all. I wish I could remember his name, but it was such a great story because through adversity, he really kept on hitting the pavement with a very small group of people to hire him. And what he did was not put down his picture or that he was black mm. in any way on his resume. Wow. Yeah. So, but he got wow. there. Yeah. You know what? There And there's so many stories that we don't hear. And I'm really, what I love about the, the U.S. Navy doing this is that we are starting to um, remove the legacy of slavery and start to embrace the celebration of Black culture and Black history a little bit more. Right. Even the renaming of some of the bases, right? It's exactly. Incredible. And there's definitely more to do. I mean, the U.S. military still has a lot to do here, but it it is finally, you know, reckoning with its, uh, with its past. Okay. So the next story comes from Alaska airlines, which has now partnered with a black owned winery called McBride sisters wine company, the largest black owned winery in the country to offer this wine on Alaska airlines. Great story. Great. I love wine. And I saw that and I was like, it's so good. There's a couple other, um, variants of the wine as well as a bourbon where it's black owned and it's just really part of their legacy because most of the people who worked in these food and drink factories were primarily African-American back in the day. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so I think it's really important that they are really having greater access to the market. And this, this uh, partnership it expands the brand recognition. I mean, it means that folks like you who are big wine drinkers or, or wine drinkers might look it up, right. And, right. and order a case or, you know, start to have, be able to support the, the company yourself. Absolutely. But it's just really, uh, well, I like to drink on the airplane too. So it's <laughs> to see that, right. <laughs> exactly. And I think that what's really great here is that, you know, one of the biggest problems in our country is the racial wealth gap, and it is mm -hmm. significant. And this is something tangible that any company can do to increase equity is to spend money with minority-owned yeah. businesses. I always say pay it forward, economic empowerment, right? Exactly. 
All right. The third story comes from British Vogue magazine, which is promoting inclusion in the fashion industry by featuring disability activists on the cover of the May edition, May magazine, called Reframing Fashion. And it has 19 different people with disabilities throughout the magazine. And it, that's great. But I also love that they took the next step to make sure that the website was more accessible and that the social media descriptions were more accessible. So they're not just sort of promoting inclusion in fashion, but they're actually doing some of the behind the scenes work, which by the way, everyone should do to make sure they are being accessible. Some lessons learned for me in the past about accessibility. Well, it brings to mind John Samuel and um, Abel. I mean, the work that he's done as an organization and this speaks to it in terms of, um, in fact, it's happening throughout Europe. When I talk to my colleagues from Getty D Partners, a lot of the compliance things are coming to fruition now, a couple of years behind the U.S. Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, you mentioned John Samuel, so we'll make sure he gets put in the show notes. And his company is called Abler360.com. He has been a guest on five things in the past, and his company helps with accessibility audits. So definitely look that up as well. Right, right. All right. The fourth story today comes from the NASDAQ, which has a new board diversity rule. It's a few years old now. It requires companies listed on the NASDAQ exchange to have at least one woman director and one director from an underrepresented minority or LGBTQ plus community. Well, that new rule led to a 1,556% increase in LGBTQ plus inclusive board diversity policies. So not just representation. We haven't gotten quite there yet with representation, but the policies are a really great start. Right, right. You know, and it gets back to my corporate hat, if I put that on when I was internal. Um, Nothing uh, that's, you know, measured unless there's an incentive, right, mm-hmm. is going to happen. And so I think what the NASDAQ done is is really pretty powerful, and we see the results of that, and it's only beginning. So I'm sure you have a lot of corporate boards scrambling to ensure that there is a pathway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think that having policies that have real consequences and real meat behind them are just going to help more and more LGBTQ plus folks feel safe to come out and be visible and allow them, you know, put themselves in a position to, to be promoted and to help (laughs) crack the, the, I guess I'll call it the pink ceiling because there really is one. Right. Right. You know, and back to the uh, integrated people solutions and Kennedy partners do executive search and we can help organizations with this only because we're the great neutralizer when it comes to internal candidates as well, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, the fifth story today comes from Beaches Resorts, which now has a more expanded program for guests on the autism spectrum. So their three Caribbean resorts have now received specific training to uh, make them cert- advanced certified autism centers This means they have sensory guides which rate each public area within the resort on a scale of 1 to 10, depending on how stimulating they are. The uh, camp counselors have been trained on working with kids with autism. And I just think it's really fantastic that a resort company that only 
resort company in the Caribbean um, or the first to really take this step? You know, it gets back to, it's, it's fantastic, by the way, but it gets back to that whole thing about how with disabilities, people are a little afraid because they don't know how to act or address it. And so, you know, uh, lessons learned and just that they trained their staff is so incredible. Exactly. And I think that training is a really important first step or maybe second step, but it really has to be backed up by meaningful systemic change. And and the resort is doing some of that as well. The resorts are. So thank you so much for listening to the five things. And uh, this week's call to action is a referral to my friend Karen Catlin's fantastic Five Ally Actions newsletter. So if you like five things, and I'm sure you will love Better Allies, you can subscribe at betterallies.com. And it gives all of us bite-sized actions with concrete examples that we can all take to be more inclusive at work. Thank you so much for joining me, John. If folks want to connect with you, how can they find you? They can find me on LinkedIn. John, John, initial L Estrada or um, Integrated People Solutions website, which is ipeoplesolutions.com. And we're part of Kennedy Partners globally. Awesome. Well, thanks, John, for being my guest today. I hope you and all of our listeners have a great week. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Bernadette. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI 